you're probably not going to ever be an Olympian if you're not a little bit attractive and you just got you got to carry yourself with confidence. It's it's a whole look. You got to look like a winner, really. Um, that's, so that's why I'll never be an Olympian because I just I'm not pretty enough. <laughs> you're listening to the Vegans Who Lift podcast with John Thomas and Brooke Sellers. In each episode, our hosts get real about the world of competitive bodybuilding and answer your questions on several different topics. So here are your hosts, John Thomas, the bodybuilding vegan, and Brooke Sellers, Miss Meatless Muscle. Welcome back to the Vegans Who Lift podcast, episode two, what to expect when competing. We are your hosts. I'm Brooke Sellers, Miss Meatless Muscle. I'm here with my best friend, John, the bodybuilding vegan. What's up, John? Oh, it's a good day. Any day that I talk to you is a good day. And the fact that we're getting to have a podcast and just hang out makes it best day ever. Um, I'm excited for this one because there's going to be a lot of value, whether or not you're in the bodybuilding scene, you're going to go through like a whole trip and a journey with us because this has a lot of good info that people have no idea about. But before we get into all that, I do want to catch up with you a little bit. It's been like, I don't know, 24 hours since we talked. So um, I think I think this is good to start with. What What's your, it's kind of early in the week, but do, do we have like a win of the week or of the previous yeah. week? Yeah. Okay. Let's hear it. Okay. So I, I have two. You had two last time. I get two this time. Okay. So I would say number one, I completed my first ever medical medium cleanse and I did this for January 1st. So I've been running that for the past nine days and it was really interesting. I'm going to make a YouTube about it. I really wasn't doing it for weight loss or anything like that. I was mostly doing it to kind of rewire my palate because after Christmas, I was just craving junk constantly. I mean, anything, chips, sugar, we talked about it. I was I was just literally wanting to eat anything and everything in the pantry. So I was like, let me go on this cleanse. It was like gluten-free, soy-free, salt-free, basically nothing but potatoes, fruits, and vegetables for nine days. And then the last day is a is like a liquid cleanse, like a liquid diet. You're eating the whole time, but it's just like very, very clean. Um, so I wrapped that up. Let's see. Today's Thursday. So Tuesday. Tuesday was my last day. Um, funny thing is though, I did drop a significant amount of weight. I don't want to say how much, cause I don't want anybody listening to like, you know, be like, I want to lose a bunch of weight. So I'm going to go do this cleanse. I did drop a bit, but it's so funny because yesterday, see, I had like a normal day of eating with salt. I added my creatine back in like everything. And I literally gained all the weight back that I lost. Okay. Um, what was the name of a medical cleanse? Medical medium. Medical media. What what does that even mean? I've never heard of that before. Um, yeah, you should look this guy up. His name is Anthony. Um, he he. It's it's okay. So I might lose some people here, but he has hundreds of thousands of testimonials. It's kind of freaky. It's amazing. He's plant based. Um, he is this medium, and his claim is that he can communicate with this. I don't know spiritual realm or whatever that can. I don't know, like detect medical issues. Like, it, like he can like tell if someone has cancer or if he, if they have diabetes, like by touching them or something like that. So I don't know if, if, if I necessarily believe that, but he does have 
a lot of good results and he has three really good books that I've read. Um, and I mean, he, he's got some pretty good evidence to back it up. So it sounds a little kind of, you know, hokey pokey, Harry Potter like, but, um, he, he's got a ton of, a ton of testimonials on his page. Look him up medical medium. Okay. I'm gonna have to do some research. Um, it does seem a little hokey pokey, Harry Potter, but it does. <laughs> I mean, maybe. If it works, maybe he has these reasons for why he thinks it works, and maybe it works for different reasons. Who knows? Um, questions for you real quick before we get to your second win. So you gained the weight back, but you still feel like it was an overall positive experience? Like, do you feel like you have a better relationship with food or at least, like, the the, the cravings or anything like that? Like, what did you take away from it? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was all water, um, you know, so I think I think that's also a good thing to mention. You know, if you want to do a cleanse for weight loss, you're mostly going to lose water, but I knew that going into it. Um, I'm definitely, I woke up this morning and like, I could, I can feel it in my face. Like I probably look, I can tell, I don't know if you can tell, but I, I'm so puffy today. Like my rings were so tight and Oh my! I I was like, I know I smoked a bunch of weed last night. Maybe I'm still high. Maybe I'm like hungover high. But no, when I got on the scale, I was like, no, I'm just holding like several pounds of water. But I will say I'm not having any cravings for junk food whatsoever. I, by that last day, I had a really good experience. Honestly, I felt amazing. I felt amazing except for the, the liquid diet day. And then I was starving. I was just, I was just hungry, you know, um, tired. And so then by the time I had finished the cleanse, I was just ready to eat my normal food. So instead of craving a bunch of shit and junk, like I want a cupcake, I want a brownie, I want a whole box of green bites. I'm just like, man, I want my protein oats, you know, <laughs> and I just want yeah. salt. I, I've never taken salt for granted, but Oh my gosh, in this cleanse going salt free, I just wanted some salt. So I would say, it, yeah, it, it really helped me with my cravings tremendously. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's crazy how like if you take a step back from those things, it feels like you really want them at the moment. But then like a week later, you're like, I don't even know why I wanted that. Like it's, it's not that big of a deal. Um, okay, what, what was your second win? My second win was I've just had so many awesome clients sign up um, this January. And I mean, I'll be honest, I'll keep it real with everybody. And I'm sure you can relate to this. Typically in January, you get a lot of people who like that motivation is there, but it's quickly lost. And, you know, you don't always get the most committed, dedicated people in January. But this January, I've had so many awesome clients who are just really passionate and they just really genuinely appreciate what I do as a coach. And they're just grateful for guidance and they're right. They're just ready to do the damn thing. Um, I've like been really impressed with, with my clients this month. So yeah, I, that was another, I, I guess that's not, I don't, is that my win? I don't know. I guess just something I'm excited about. That's good. That's a win. You got some good clients. Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think a lot of people they they want the end result. They see people that have gone through a transformation or stepped on stage and they're like, "Oh, I want to be that." And they they don't quite realize what it takes to get there. Like almost like myself, I've said, "Oh, I want a podcast or oh, I want a YouTube channel." But I didn't want to put in the work until I actually hired somebody. So, hopefully by them putting some money in the game, 
you know, that's, that's why I don't work for, with people for free anymore. I've, I've tried to do it for family and friends. And it's like, if they're not paying at least something they're they're not going to be invested. So yeah. Yay for you. I think sometimes just gotta be the right time, right place. I've had people surprise me. I've had people that I'm like, Oh, this person has the genetics, the potential, they have the money they can, they can compete. They're going to do amazing. And then I never hear from them again. And it's like, what? And then there's other people that have every excuse. I got one guy, he, he works like 70 or 80 hours a week. He's a, a medical student, um, like preparing to be a doctor. Like he's in the operating room for like 12 hours a day, still trying to get his meals and stuff in. And we, we've lost like 40 pounds and he's only been able to go to the gym like once a week. And it's like you have and he's had like losses in the family and every excuse to not do anything. But he's still making progress. So I try to just give people I, I let them surprise me on either end of the spectrum. Um, but yeah, that's, that's definitely a win for you. Um, how about you? I think the one that comes to mind most is, um, something I've been not necessarily putting off, but kind of waiting for the right time. Um, I, I'm going to make this a funny story. I lost my dad in June of 2023. Uh, he had cancer and passed away. It still feels like a dream saying that it feels, it feels like I'm almost like joking. Like he's going to walk through the door or something, but he's gone. Um, and then I've lost him a couple times along the way. Uh, we had him cremated and I've moved a few times. So when, um, uh, Elisha, my previous girlfriend was, was with me, I was like, where's dad? I can't find him. Turns out he was in my car. So we'd lost him once. And then we moved again. Oh I God. lost, he, he fell under the seat. And so I finally went to the St. Pete Pier, kind of out here near Tampa. And uh, Elisha and I went to go drop his remains in the ocean because he loved to fish. I, I know, not very vegan of him, but that was his thing. And at this point, I don't think it really matters where I put his ashes. So I went out there maybe back in like September. And I was like, all right, time to do this. And I take the urn. I couldn't open it. And I had just got my chest surgery done. So I was like, I should be careful how hard I... I twist this thing and I'm like, nah, I got this. I I didn't have it. I called my mom. I'm like, mom, why won't it open? I'm trying to like get rid of this. And she's like, oh, that's the permanent urn. Like you're not supposed to get rid of that. I'm like, can I just chuck it in the ocean? Like I want to let it go. She's like, no, don't do that. I'll get you one of the, one of the, I actually have it here because I have a habit of just setting things down and not putting them where they should go. But there were some ashes in this. So last week I went out there, I got, I went on kind of like a date. Um, with a, with a fellow vegan, uh, ended up not going anywhere, but I got to put the ashes out there. And so that, that's my win. Um, Aww. I don't know. This is a really weird thing. Like if I die, do not cremate me and put my ashes. Like, I don't know, find the most environmentally friendly way to dispose of me. Um, but I got to do that. And, um, that's, that's my win. Cause it kind of, I don't know. It hadn't been weighing on me, but, um, Sean says to put me into a tree. I yes. Have you that. seen that? I, I already got the green on the top, so like we'll just grow right out of me. Um, yeah, I have seen that. I have seen that before. And then I guess you could like put like a little bodybuilding vegan sticker on the tree and be like, he he was here. Um, not that we're trying to talk about death this whole podcast. Uh, but yeah, so that was that was meaningful, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I don't know. It's for sure. If it's you kind haven't of- making peace, making peace with it. And I feel like kind of letting go in a way. 
I still got four more of those things, so I, I got some more work to do. Um, maybe that'll be it. When I travel, when I travel the world next year, I'll probably drop him off somewhere else. I know he wanted to be places that he had been, but I think for me, it'll be kind of cool to take him somewhere he hadn't been, even and in, in after his life. So I don't know. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's if you haven't lost a parent, and I guess it depends on your relationship and how close you were. It's it's really just hard to put it into words. And like, I'm not like. I know I'm weird. I'm not like super sad about this. And maybe this is going to hit me like a ton of bricks. I'll need to talk about my last psilocybin experience where I tripped and something else hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, but who knows? Okay. All right. Enough of my win. Um, I have a game. And then after the game, we can jump into the, 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 the main topic of this podcast, which is what to expect when competing vegan or otherwise. But let's do the game. So. This is going to require your your concentration, quick wits. I think you'll be just fine. There's oh, no boy, wrong okay. answer. So, so you really can't lose. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to quickly read two words. And you're going to say the word that you most identify with or that you like the most or that speaks to you. Um, so, like, for example, let's say your favorite color is green. I go pink, green. You go green. Make sense? Got it. Okay. All right. So, interesting first one for a competitor but we'll go with it. Wine, beer. Wine. Coffee, tea. Tea. Dog, cat. Dog. Pizza, pancakes. Pizza. Mountain, beach. Beach. Kiss, sex. Sex. <laughs> Trend, Anadrol. Just kidding. Um, oh, I was about to say they both suck. So <laughs> hopefully uh, women, you don't want those. Um, sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. Cool. Morning person, night owl. Night owl. Okay. And then $5,000 cash or you get to step on stage. Step on stage. <laughs> you see what I did there? That kind of yeah, that's a good one. In. I thought about that this morning because we just Very posted, um, you know, how much does it cost to compete? And Brooke had tallied hers up from her last prep, and it was around five thousand dollars for about a six month prep. And so that's why I ask, you know, that's that's a good way to think about financial things. Would you rather somebody give you five grand, or would you rather step on stage? And if you're like, I'd rather have the money, well, then you're not really cut out to be a competitor. Mine was around 10 grand, give or take. I don't, I don't have all the receipts, but it was somewhere in that range. So good to see. It sounds like we might see you on stage again at some point in time, um, if, if that's how you felt there. But um, that was my game of the day. Um, I love I it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good segue. Um, really, I think I wanted this podcast one because I think there's just so many misconceptions now with competing. I think so many people see it glamorized on social media and they don't really know what's going on behind the stage picks for months and months before that person gets there. And so I think this is really important. And this is also information that I didn't have when I did my first show. No one sat down with me and told me what it was going to cost, the potential risk, um, the potential outcome, how competitive it was, not to make it sound like I didn't enjoy it. I absolutely love competing and can't wait to do it again. But um, there 
I do feel like there were things that I wish I had known going into it. And I think we can provide a lot of value for people who, uh, you know, this may be their first time competing. Yeah. It's almost like, I don't know when you were speaking, I was thinking like almost like getting into a relationship, but not really knowing that person. Like a lot of people, they're like, Oh, I want to compete. This sounds cool. I'm going to hire a coach. I'm going to start working towards it. And that was kind of even me about four years ago. Like, I had no clue. The list that we've even put here together today, I had I had no fathom, no concept of the money, the time, the work, the Same. effort. So like I knew it was gonna be hard. Like I I knew it was gonna be hard. I do think a lot of people underestimate how hard it's gonna be, but even I underestimated how hard it was going to be. There were so many things that I underestimated. Um, and I feel like we kind of chalked up like five things that everybody should tick off their list to make sure that they're ready to compete before they actually go through with it. And then we have some other important topics for, you know, things post-show. Your show's done. It's over with. You're off stage that you need to think about too before you start competing. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I, I still want to compete. It sounds like fun. Well, it's not fun, but it is rewarding and fulfilling. Uh, but the thing that, I would say is if you go to reach out to a coach and you say, Hey, I want to compete. And they say, okay, sure. Here's my link. Sign up. They probably don't really care about you that much. They just want that paycheck and they're not adequately preparing you. I will be honest with people competing out of everything I've done in my life. I'm 31 by far bar none. This last prep was the hardest thing I've done in my entire life. And I've done a few other preps before. I just hadn't worked with a high level prep coach that asked, I believe literally everything I had from me. There were two days where I really thought there was a chance I might die. And I'm not exaggerating for this podcast or anything else. There were two days where I just felt so horrible. I had never felt that sick before. Like I've had the flu. And that was pretty bad. I've had COVID. That was pretty bad. But contest prep, that's a whole nother level. I, I think it is like you couldn't pay me enough to do that again. Like, I think if somebody offered me like 500 grand, but I wasn't allowed to advertise or be the bodybuilding vegan, I'd maybe turn, and I wasn't allowed to donate that money to charity. I'd, I'd probably turn that down. I can make money other ways. It's not. Yeah, I don't know. You, yeah. you, you gotta love it or have some weird thing. I don't, I don't know how people do it without some weird thing in their head, pushing them to do it. Anyways, we have some topics. Did we, do we want to jump into those? Yeah, I say, let's go ahead and get into it. Number one finances. Um, if you cannot afford a prep coach, you cannot afford to prep. It's as simple as that. Um, it's, it's an expensive hobby. And I think people forget about that too, that this is a hobby, you know, this is, it's, it's a hobby. So you have to fund everything yourself. Even if you do have sponsors, you're not going to have that at the amateur level. So you have to, you know, make sure that you have enough money to support you because it is expensive. A lot of people don't realize that and it all adds up. And I was under the impression that women, it would be so much more expensive for us than men. But then after seeing all of John's expenses, 
it can be even more expensive if you're a man. And I had somebody message me after our post today and they were like, thank God I'm natural. My first prep, I was natural. And I still, that was the most expensive prep that I did. Um, so it doesn't even matter. And also the natty shows, you have to pay for your urine testing, your polygraph testing. So, you know, people think, oh, well, I'll do a natural show. It'll be cheaper. Sometimes it's even more expensive because you have those extra fees. Um, you really need to be in a good financial position to be able to afford a bodybuilding prep. Yeah. For numerous factors, if nothing else, stress. Like if you're like, oh, shoot, I don't have money for these supplements or from my coach this week, I got to go pull a double and I'm a, you know, a, a, a line cook or something like that, or a server. Well, now you're on your feet even more. It's, it's really damn near impossible to prep without financial backing. And that's either going to be yours or you're probably not listening to this podcast. If you're a top 10 IFBB pro and you do make some money from shows and you do have sponsors for the 99.99% of us, this is a hobby. Now, if we make money, do I make money from bodybuilding? Not from stepping on the stage? Hell no. But I make money from coaching or other things around the sport, sponsorships that have occurred through this. But that took a long time to get there. That wasn't happening just at my first show or, or anywhere near there. So Brooke raises a really good point. You got to have your finances in play. And I would say plan to have them in play before and after because there's a good chance not necessarily a good chance, but there is a chance that you have issues post-show that, that that pop up. It's less likely to happen if you have a really good coach. It's less likely to happen if you follow the a good coach's plan. But even with that being said, you might still need to get additional blood work or additional coaching or other financial aspects that, that occur even after the show. So finance is number one. Do we want to run through... We could run through. I'm going to just pull up the post. We we put up a post today on Instagram. And so for me. Yeah. And there was things we didn't even include in that post. Like we didn't include food. I didn't include food because I'm like, well, I'm going to buy food anyways. But for some people, you know, they have to eat differently on a prep than they normally would. A lot of people are used to eating out all the time. And then, you know, they have to grocery shop. So we didn't even inc include groceries in this. And I feel like. I tried to be absolutely like what is absolutely necessary. So that's what I tried to include in my post. And I honestly was expecting it to be less than it was. Um, so I feel like this is a pretty good idea of what you can expect to spend, especially for your first show. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, I, I will run through, I'll just run through mine. Yeah. Since it's a little bit more than yours. And then actually, if we do the math here, we almost tie if if I was a natural competitor. So uh, running through my six-month prep, we're going to say a coach at, at the level of the caliber that I wanted is going to run you around $1,500. I think that's a reasonable price. You could maybe find less. You could definitely find more. You sometimes get what you pay for. Uh, you, if you hire a very, very, very high level prep coach, you might actually get worse off than hiring someone that's at your level. Like you can go work with Matt Jansen. He's like 900 bucks a month, but if you're not close to the Olympia level stage, it's probably overkill for you. Uh, posing coach. I paid $700 over that six months for the gym that I go to. I paid 960. My gym's a little bit expensive, but it's one of the best gyms in the nation. Shout out in my 40 for my suit. 
I'm a guy. So that was cheap. I got two for like $60. Uh, shout out Camp Muscle. They they actually carry my suits. Uh, the Airbnb for two days was about 500 bucks. The NPC card was 150. The show fee was 130. Tanning was 100. Gear. So injectables and orals, I'm guessing around 1400. And then growth hormone, biggest expense in the non-natural bodybuilding is going to be pharmaceutical grade growth hormone. I probably spent somewhere around in the realm of $4,000 in the six months. Blood work, about 500. Performance supplements, so things like creatine, pre-workout, essential amino acids, probably somewhere around 500. Health supplements, things to keep you healthy in prep, whether you're natural or not, those are going to be in play, and about $500. So a grand total of 10800 and change. So if we subtract the growth hormone and the gear, that would take off about 5,500 and put me right around the same range as Brooke. So I, I would say, yeah, if you're a new natural competitor looking to do a 16 to 20 week prep, probably looking in the realm of 5,000. And if you are going to be on that enhanced side at a I would say I'm like on an enhanced side at a high level, and I don't necessarily mean speaking highly of myself, but more so a high level, like using what is going to take for a men's open bodybuilder to be competitive. It'd be a little bit different if I was like men's physique or if I was bikini. Um, if, if, if I was one of those, I could probably need less in this realm, but you could be looking at around 10 grand for a six month prep for for a non-natural competitor. So I've been talking a lot. It's your turn. Crazy. Yeah. So mine, um, I paid $1,600 for my prep coach and he was not at all a high level prep coach. <laughs> he was absolutely terrible um, and absolutely ruined, ruined my health. And I spent 15,000, like uh, John said, after my show, because I had all sorts of issues from my prep coach. So that's another, you know, Good way to say, don't cut corners. Do not cut corners. Uh, make sure that you have a good prep coach. Make sure you, you know, look up their competitors, how they're doing on stage. Um, you know, make sure that you have someone who knows what they're doing. But um, bro, your your prep coach was an IFBB pro. He had been on the Olympia stage. He was local, so he could see you in person. Wasn't he a great prep coach? No. No. Okay. So that Yeah. Good points. Yeah, John, we always talk about how people think they need an in-person coach so that they can see them, they can train them in person, correct their form. But if you're limiting yourself to who is local to you, you're going to be very limited on coaches because there's so much knowledge out there. Well, there, I would say, honestly, there's probably more bad prep coaches now than there are good co prep coaches, and you're really better off getting somebody online. And here's the thing, and I heard John Jewett say this. He put it like this. If I can see how ripped and shredded you are in your shitty iPhone check-in, then I know you're going to be ripped and shredded on stage. So just because someone can see you in person, and here's an example. I wasn't lean enough for my second show, and I kept telling him, I'm not lean enough, I'm not lean enough, I'm not lean enough. And sure enough, eventually he kept telling me, you're fine. You're fine. You know, you need to make sure that you keep, uh, you know, some, some weight on you. You don't want to be too lean. You don't want to be, um, too shredded, whatever. Well, my feedback from my second show was, yeah, you were not lean enough. You need to come in, you know, four or five pounds leaner. So 
definitely it doesn't it doesn't make a difference. You just need someone who knows physiology. You should be able to ask your coach, how will my low testosterone or how will my low estrogen impact my peak week? How will that impact my performance? And they should be able to give you a scientific physiological answer. If they can't, they're probably not a good coach for you because people forget that your health, your physiology is in the hands of another person. So take, take my word for it because I've learned this the hard way. Make sure you invest in someone who knows what they're doing. Um, so anyways, back to prep coach, $1,600 was, you know, maybe worth it, maybe not. Posing coach, $270. I paid that per session, and it just added up to that amount. Gym, $225. I had one gym. Uh, bikini robe and jewelry all together came to $957. Hotel and travel, $448. I think this is also a good time to mention that you really should be doing this whether the show is local or not. My show was only 25 minutes from my house, but I didn't want to have to worry about that 25 minutes. I didn't want to have to worry about traffic. God forbid a flat tire. It's not something that you want to chance. So you want to be able to wake up in your hotel, go downstairs, do your show, and then go back up. So I think having, you know, staying in the host hotel is absolutely worth it every single time. And often, you know, that your makeup artist and other people, the tanning will be there too. So it just, it's, it's so much better to, to stay in the host, the host hotel for your show. Uh, NPC card, that's mandatory. No way around that. 150 show fee. I competed in three classes. So that was 360 tanning, 130 hair and makeup together was 350. Uh, blood work. I only had one round of blood work done that season, and that was 350 supplements altogether, 620, and my heels were 150 for a total of $5,610. Could have gone on two awesome vacations for that. <laughs> That's what I was trying to think. I was trying to ask myself, like, do I want a down payment on a brand new Corvette or do I want to get on stage again? And it's like, dang. I How bad do you want way. it? How yeah. bad do I want it? The thing is, the Corvette doesn't boost my. I guess I could take some cool Instagram photos, me leaned up on it, and like be like, hey, I'm rich, blah, 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 hire me. But I, I compete right now for the animals, first and foremost. I don't feel like there's anybody else quite at my size or my level carrying the vegan bodybuilding flag on the enhanced stage. I'll happily hand that flag off when somebody else is ready to pick it up. Outside of that, I do compete to become a better coach. I feel like every prep I've gone through has taught me a lot of things about myself, but also things that I can carry on to others. I think especially this last prep coming close to death's door taught me how hard I can be pushed and how hard I can push others. So anybody looking to compete in 2024, if you hire me, I can promise you it will be one of the hardest, if not the hardest things you've ever done. And I, I would say that even includes, well, I'm not a woman, so I can't say childbirth, but damn near anything. I, I, I really do think competing at a high level because it's just so consuming. It's so exhausting. It's so everything. I mean, we've only covered finance and we're almost 30 minutes into this podcast. So, Yeah. And yeah. A, a lot of people think that you're going to be a bodybuilder and you're going to make all this money. And it's not true at all. Like bodybuilders don't make that much money. So it's like John said, even the Olympians, um, 
like the the top cash prizes they're pretty big but like still it's like sixty thousand dollars per year i mean you could most people are probably making that at their nine to five and um even the smaller pro shows are way less than that it's like I think it's like five grand, maybe you take homes and then amateur level, just forget it. Like you're, you're not getting anything. You get like a little plastic crown, maybe like a little, a little gold trophy. And then you go home and you get your pictures that you got to pay for. Remember photo packages too. I didn't even list photo packages, but um, you know, that's an expense too. And they're usually pretty expensive. So, you know, don't, don't think you're going to make all this money back. Uh, it's an investment. I mean, to me, it was worth it. Like John said, I learned so much about myself. Um, it did really help my business too. I think it kind of separated me from just being a girl who works out like a trainer to now I'm actually a, a bikini competitor. And I think people started to take me a little bit more seriously. I did get some more uh, sponsorship opportunities, but that's because I already had a following. I had like, like 35,000 followers when I started competing. So I already kind of had a presence. Um, but there's tons of IFBB pros out there who I have three times the following that they do. So you're not going to go be famous. You're not going to get rich. Um, you're not going to blow up and be some celebrity because of bodybuilding. It just doesn't work like that unless you're like a top Olympian. Um, you know, it, you're not going to make all that money back. So it's, it's just got to really be worth it to you. To me, it was worth it. I had so much fun doing it to me. It was worth, um, you know, two awesome vacations. Like I said, just for the memories, I did make a lot of friends. Um, I had a blast doing it, so it was worth it, but it's, it's something that you should be prepared for. Don't go into debt for bodybuilding. It's, it's not worth that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I can give actual numbers. If you are the best bodybuilder in the world in the men's open division category, shout out Derek Lunsford for this most recent men's Olympia. I am like 99% sure that the top prize is $400,000. Now let's compare that. If you're doing bodybuilding to make money, let's look at like the NBA or the NFL. What is like the top Super Bowl winning quarterback get like millions in a contract Whereas bodybuilding, there's no guarantees, and the best in the world gets maybe 400000 I imagine, and I'm just pulling out of my butt here, but between his, like, massages, um, his growth hormone, his gear, his food, he's easily hundred grand right there, like, just off that. So, st and then you got to pay taxes on that 400000 So, once you factor it all in, it's like, you'd be better off just working a regular nine to five for the majority unless you, yeah, unless you're literally the best in the world. So if you compete at a lower level pro show and win, I think the prizes probably range between like 20 and 40,000. Good luck getting there though. Like you're going to be spending more than that per year on food and gear. Like it, it's, it's just, it's nuts what it takes to be good at the sport. I'm talking men's open, the biggest category, your bikini, mm -hmm. Yeah, Way less. I, I think bikini at the Olympia got like 50 grand, something like yeah. yep. almost, almost a joke. Like you're the best in the world. Here's, here's a, a little bit. And now if you're natural, yep. take those numbers and divide it by 10 to a hundred. Like I think at most natural yep. shows I saw most recently, they had like a $2,000 top prize. Yep. And I think on the natural side, they're trying to be a little bit more Fair across the board. Like, I think bikini gets the same as, like, bodybuilding. It depends on the federation. Still, like, we're, we're talking peanuts. You're going to have already spent that much on travel and everything else. So 
basically directly, you're never going to make any money off bodybuilding. Anybody listening to this, you're not going to make money directly. But if you want to start coaching, if you want to find other ways around the sport, then then there are avenues there. Sponsorships, sure. I think what Brooks said though is very correct. I've had I've had people tell me, oh, I'm waiting to turn pro until I try and get a sponsor. I'm waiting until I turn pro to really start my Instagram, and that's just like a huge mistake because I've seen pros with under a under a thousand followers and like no shade on them. If Instagram is not your thing, it's not your thing. That's fine. But no company, even if you're a great pro is going to pay you if, if, if you have a thousand followers, because who are you going to market to? So there's a lot that goes into this and we've just touched on finance, but to keep us moving, the next topic is time commitment. So let's, Let's go into a day in the life of Brooke in prep. Like what was five weeks out like for you? Like an average Ooh. day in five weeks out. Yeah. So I would wake up super early in the morning, probably like, well, I guess not super early for some people listening. There were probably people who got up earlier, but 5 a.m. is really early for me. And uh, then I would go do an hour on the stairs. So it would take me 15 minutes to drive to the gym and then I have to do an hour um, on the Stairmaster. And then after that, I would have to do 20 minutes in the sauna. So I'm already at the gym for a half an hour, 15 minute drive home. Um, and then I would eat, of course, pose for 30 minutes, um, work a little bit. Uh, then I'd have to go back and train for an hour, hour and a half, maybe do another hour, hour and a half of cardio. Um, not at five weeks, probably like a half an hour of cardio. So, I mean, that's a lot of gym time already. I mean, I've already, how much time have I spent in the gym already? Three hours. You include travel time. We're looking at three and a half and hours travel and posing. We're at like over four, four hours. Four hours. So yeah, I calculated it and it was like 40 hours a week. Uh, what I was spending on my prep between all the posing meal prep, uh, cardio going to the gym, I think that's one of the things that people really, really underestimate is the time commitment of competing. It's a lot. <laughs> I agree. I around the same time frame at the most, like at the most intense part, I was training five days a week for two hours. So it's 10 hours right there. I was doing five sessions of morning cardio at 55 minutes. So you include like the drive time or whatever. That's at least five hours. And then another 40 minutes of cardio five times a week post-training at night. So that's another, I don't know, three hours. And that's like just training and cardio. That doesn't include getting up to pose, doesn't include the time to send my check-ins to my coach. And I guess that's small, but meal prep, things like that. It just adds, it adds up. And it, it adds up a lot when you're already exhausted too by that point. So it kind of sounds like we're really trying to talk people out of this, but I, that's not really the thing. My goal as a coach, when somebody comes to me and says they want to compete, I basically have this conversation. So I think this will be a great resource, Brooke, that we can, somebody wants to compete. Yeah, sure. Go listen to episode two and then come back and talk to me after. Because if the things we're saying dissuades you from competing and makes you think, oh, this is too much for me, then yeah, you're right. It's too much for you. If this simple conversation does that. If you listen to all this and you're like, fuck it, no, I still want to compete. This is what I want to do. Then you might have what it takes. So that's that's kind of where I'm at here. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to be open that this is a lot. And I don't think we're exaggerating. I think if you want to compete, if you're a competitive person, you're going to check all the boxes. You're not just going to skip your cardio or skip your training because 
you're not going to look like anything on stage. Like my, my goal when I got on stage the first time was just to belong there. I wanted anybody that was sitting in the stands to look up there and I'd be like, why is number 14 on stage? What the hell was he thinking? I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want that. I just wanted to fit in, do my damn best. Didn't expect to win. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you to put all your eggs, all your self-worth eggs in that winning basket. Cause you can't control who shows up. You can only control yourself. Um, yeah. To John's point, same. I don't want to dissuade anyone from competing. I just want to make sure that the right people are competing because I more than ever am seeing it become so popular. Everybody wants to compete now. Everybody and their grandma. And I get inquiries all the time, almost daily now of somebody saying, Hey, I want to compete. And I find that when I get the ball rolling and if first of all we make it by the finance part because I wanted to talk about finances because oftentimes I have consultations and I give people my pricing which by the way my lowest package is nine dollars a day um that's what it breaks out to if you divided it you know daily um and if you can't afford that honey you can't afford to prep so buy <laughs> okay done and then if they do make all right yeah like i'll invest i want to do this i had a girl for example i gave her 8000 steps a day that was it 8000 little measly 8000 and she told me she didn't have time to do that because she was so busy with work she couldn't get up any earlier she couldn't go to bed any later there was no way she was going to be able to get over 6000 steps a day so i'm like all right well i'm sorry but we just we can't compete we haven't even started posing we haven't even started uh fasted cardio yet you only have a 1 hour training session and 30 minutes of cardio and 8000 steps a day you're not going to have time to compete so let's just focus on being healthy and being the best version of your self. Um, so I think really we're just trying to set people up for realistic expectations because oftentimes we see on social media, the glamorous side of it, the fun side of it, and not everyone is telling you all of the hard work that they put in. Um, so know what you're getting into because one, it's expensive, like we already talked about. And two, it's going to require so much of your time. Um, it, it, it takes a lot of work to get to get that physique, to get a stage ready physique. It takes a lot of commitment. It's a full-time job. It's a full-time job. A lot of people don't realize the time frame either. I don't know if that's one of our bullet points or not, but the time frame. So for a bikini competitor, maybe a girl that like played sports and like already has somewhat of a physique built, she could be on like a 12 month journey. Maybe the first six months she works with a the coach, they do like a lean bulk, put on muscle where it needs to be added, then go into about a month long, like pre prep phase. And then you got five months for a prep. That's probably reasonable for an entry level, natural bikini competitor that, you know, so like something like around a year, you're saying you want to be like men's open enhanced. And you've, you've either not touched a weight before you've been in the gym for a couple months. We're talking like three to five years. And, and that might shock some people, but like, that's, Yep. That's what, I mean, let's be honest here. I've been lifting half my life and I've been very interested in competing at a high level in bodybuilding for the last four years. And I'm still not anywhere near a pro card. This is a long freaking journey. So yep. maybe you're a genetic freak. Maybe you started off really well, but it, it, the timeline is long. I have a guy that's a, a younger college student. He's pretty strong. He started in a powerlifting background. We've been doing a cut and he just voiced in his last check-in, he said, hey, what do you think about me maybe stepping on stage? I said, 
well, let's talk finances real quick. Ran all that past him. He's like, yeah, I, I could figure that out. I said, okay, let's talk timeline. Realistically, we probably got about a month left in your cut. Then I'd want to put you at least on a six-month lean bulk session. Then at least one to two months as kind of like a pre-prep health phase, just maintain, get your blood work done. And then we're looking at four to five months of prep to get on stage. Are you still interested? And he said, yeah, sounds like a plan. So again, like this guy's been training for I think three or four years. And he is still in my eyes, at least a year out from being on stage. So it's, it's a long journey. And I, I would not, I would not, I would urge that you do not do this. Don't just hire a coach to get you on stage. Now I've taken on some clients that were like eight weeks out or four weeks out. I don't like to do that, but it was something where like their coach ghosted them and they were kind of already out at sea and they're stranded and it's like, okay, I'll take you on. I can't promise anything, but if you're going to hire a coach with the goal of getting on stage, you should give them as much time as humanly possible at, at least a few months before you begin the thought of starting prep, because how are they going to know what foods work well for you? How are they even beyond all the physiological sides? I'm very grateful like for shout out to Catherine, one of my clients. I got to know her for about, I think six months could be wrong here. Six months before we did like our first, like real big push into prep. And that allowed me to get to know her psychologically what works well for her, what doesn't work well for her, what are her insecurities, what are her fears, how can I set up not just the program, but also my communication to be as effective as possible with her. That's that's something that a lot of clients overlook is that the coach doesn't just need to learn your body, they need to learn your mind. My coach, he loves to fuck with me. He'll tell me once in a very blue moon that he's proud of me. And that makes me just work so much harder to try and get his approval. So it, it, it's a bit of a mind game as well as the physical side of what you show up on stage with. I think this was, this is kind of fitting for our, one of our points. Uh, we can make it our third point, which is realistic expectations. Like John said, I think so many people underestimate uh, the time that is required for being successful in bodybuilding and I am one of those people I will be totally honest I expected to you know wipe the floor on my first show honestly I'm like look I've been training for a while like I've been training for years and years there's gonna be people at this show who you know have not been working out nearly as long as I have but um you know it was it was a small local show but it was still competitive I ended up getting first in two of my classes but I got third in one class so um I think, and I haven't even been to a national stage yet. So that was, that first show was a really good experience for me because I did good enough to still have a love for the sport. Uh, but I didn't get my, my ass totally kicked, which is good. Um, and thank God I had so many years of, um, building muscle beforehand because otherwise I probably would have gotten last. And especially because my coach brought me in completely flat and <laughs> totally, uh, didn't know how to peak me. I had almost no carbs the day before my show, which is crazy to me now. Um, so I at least had the musculature and I still had the shape at least, um, to kind of make up for my poor peaking. But uh, it was a real eye-opener for me because I was like, okay, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And now when I think about going to a national stage, like eventually I hope to, 
um, before, I probably would have been like, yeah, I'm going to go get my pro card. That's what I'm going for. Uh, no, no. My goal <laughs> is to get top 10. And I will be happy if I get that. You know, like, I just want to get second call outs. I'm good with that. Like, I would cry if I got first call outs, literally, at, a, at my national show. I mean, that's how competitive it is. And it's not a matter of like, hey, I've been training this long. I have this much muscle. It, it doesn't matter, like peaking your body, like we, like I was talking about coming in flat, coming in full, um, all of these things, not manipulating your water correctly. Maybe you did too many diuretics. Maybe you didn't sleep well the night. Like all of these things matter. And like John said, that also is important for spending a good amount of time with your coach so that they know your body. They can practice a peak week with you. Um, I will literally not bring on a prep client unless they do like a short off season with me, even if it's, if it's like three months. Um, I saw John Jewett did the same thing. So I started, I was like, I'm going to do that too, because he knows everything. <laughs> so, and, and truly it's, it's been so beneficial because I've been able to see with, with several of my girls, how they respond in an off season to more calories, to um, high cardio, low cardio, different types of cardio. So I'm like, okay, this gives me a good idea of like what your prep should look like. Um, so that's definitely something to think about too. Like John said, don't reach out to somebody and be like, Hey, I want to do a prep in 16 weeks. My show is on this day. I'm 16 weeks out. They're going to be in a really tough position. And no matter how good someone is, my coach and John's coach, they're two of the top people in the bodybuilding coaching realm. And they still, they're not magicians. They can't just make someone a pro out of nowhere. They still need to know your body because truly everyone is different. That's where bodybuilding, competitive bodybuilding is different than just general fitness. It's no longer about just being a calorie deficit. Resistance train four or five days a week. Get 10,000 steps a day. No, we're talking about water manipulation, sodium, how high is your estrogen, how high is your testosterone, where's your thyroid hormones at? Like all of these things are really important for creating that stage look. So giving your coach time is really important and, and giving yourself time. Um, don't expect to, to, you know, work out for six weeks. And like John said, with men's bodybuilding, I think the equivalent is women's wellness. I have so many girls reach out to me. They've never worked out and they're like, I want to do wellness. And I'm like, girl, we're going to be lucky if you do well in bikini. Like, let's just do bikini. You can't do wellness if you haven't, you know, been, been lifting weight for like three or five years. It's just, it's, it's, it requires a lot of muscle. And so, you know, be realistic with yourself and eventually, you know, you'll see when you actually see yourself up there with four or five people next to you, you'll get the idea, but, um, you know, be realistic with yourself about the time that it's going to take for you to get to get to where you want to be. If that means going pro, if that means winning an overall, if that means just getting third, it doesn't matter. Just be realistic. Know that this sport is all about patience it's all about patience and just keep, you keep getting better. You keep getting, you get your feedback, you get better and, and you just keep going and keep improving. Yeah. You threw out a lot. I'm going to try and hit on a few points. One, you and I are so deep into this sport that we're talking at a pretty like technical level. And maybe some people listening are like, I don't know. They're speaking Spanish yeah, and, or, or, or something like that. So uh, wellness is a newer women's division that really highlights having big legs for the ladies. And 
to kind of put this into perspective, most competitors in wellness, I would be surprised if most competitors in wellness can rep anything less than like three, 315 on squats. Like, like most of them are doing 315 or more for like sets of 10 to 12. Totally I, I, I train next to some pros and these are some big girls. Like they could like damn near keep up with me on legs. And that's insane. So you want to do wellness. You're going to have to have some crazy set of legs for the ladies as far as Brooks goals. So Brooks said that she would like to get, within the second call outs at nationals. Now that probably sounds like we're talking about like cars or something and you're not a car person. So to get to nationals, you have to prep and compete at a regional. There's usually like a local level show that is a national qualifier. If you win first place or maybe even second at that national qualifier, that regional show, you are invited to nationals. Then when you go to nationals, you're now going up against everybody else that won their regional show. So it's like all the winners are put into this winner's pot. And for bikini, you might have anywhere from 50 to 100 competitors. So what they do is they'll bring you out first, and then they'll have first call-outs and second call-outs. So I believe first call-outs would be the top eight. Is that right? Top six? Top mm -hmm. eight? Yep. Eight? Okay. Our first so, call-outs? Yeah. It's either six I or I believe eight. it's the top six. Okay, top six. Yeah. yeah, that sounds right. That's what it is for bodybuilding as well. So if, if Brooke got first call-outs, that means she's at least pretty much guaranteed first through sixth place. If she got second call-outs, seventh through twelfth. That's what that means. So we're taking Brooke, who's been lifting for six years. Five, six years. years. Yeah. Been with a coach, working her ass off. And she's like, yeah, if I could get second call outs at nationals, I'd be really proud of myself. And that's that's no that's not a that's not a bad spot to be for the amount of time that she's had in the sport. Bodybuilding is just oh, that's a good question. Is it a sport? We'll, we'll put a pin in that. But bodybuilding is a lot like other sports. Let's take the NBA, for example. Let's say I decide tomorrow, hey, I want to be in the NBA. I got a few things going against me. I'm like on a good day with shoes six feet tall. So right then and there, I'm already at the short end of the stick. And then I'm not very athletic. So I, I'd have a lot of work to do. And then to get into the NBA, like, really? Like, you're going to be like top 100 in the nation? Like, come on now. So it, it's similar for bodybuilding. Like, genetics do matter. If if you're four feet tall, you're not going to play in the NBA. And if your muscle insertions and your ability to build muscle or respond to drugs if you're enhanced – is not at the top level, then you're not going to be able to compete at the top level. And that's just what it is. So what Brooke was saying towards the end there, compare yourself to yourself. Every time you get on stage, you should be a better version. Every year, you should be a better version of yourself. There should be objective and subjective things you can improve upon. You can measure your waist. You can measure your arms. You can measure your reps, your weights that you lift. Those are all objective things that you do. And then there's also kind of that subjective look, which brings me into is bodybuilding a sport? Well, that's a tough question. I think it depends on how you define it. So I typically define sports as something with a very clear cut objective. Like did the ball go in the hoop? Or did they hit a home run or not? Did the car cross the line before the other car, like a race? Yeah. Bodybuilding, like even Very gymnastics, subjective. gymnastics is a sport and it has 
pretty defined goals. Now they're a little bit subjective, so they have judges to to grade whether or not the goal was met. But bodybuilding is so subjective. It's more of like a a beauty pageant or a dance competition in the sense that there's not an exact science to picking the winner. Now there's there's criteria, and I think I love classic original men's open bodybuilding. I said classic. There is a, a division called classic, but I mean men's open bodybuilding. The biggest, the freakiest. I like that because it is a little bit more on the objective side of subjective. I want to compete against the leanest, the biggest, the freakiest guys. Now, then you have like the flip side. You have you have bikini, which is the smallest female division. So it's like there are girls that get docked in bikini. They get pushed down because they're too muscular. That would like be a mind fuck for me. So um, I don't think bodybuilding falls under the typical criteria of a sport, though. I do think the athletes in bodybuilding work their asses off, um, that a lot of people be like, yeah. Oh, it's a sport because they work hard, but like, it's not really like soccer where you can score a goal. Yeah. I yeah. think it, I, I consider it a sport because I consider every bodybuilder, a competitive bodybuilder, an athlete for all of the work that goes beyond, beyond behind the scenes. But it's like John said, there is no objective. It's very subjective and it's really honestly based on whoever shows up that day and who the judges are. I mean, there's some shows and I've, I've seen this where they go for conditioning, like who was the leanest? Um, there's sometimes where yeah, conditioning, I've seen it like conditioning doesn't even matter, but they're going for shape. So who had the most, bikini like shape and there's sometimes where it's about the musculature well maybe conditioning and shape don't matter as much today but for sure you know this person had the most muscle um and then especially with women's divisions i think it can get kind of muddy and maybe men's physique too because there's a look mm. that they're going for it's more than just you know what's you're bringing your package if you will uh to the stage it's your whole look how you pose how you walk to the center your smile you know your hair your makeup especially with bikini bikini they they want a look they want you to be kind of cute just being honest it's very important you're probably not going to ever be an olympian if you're not a little bit attractive um and you just got you got to carry yourself with confidence um it's it's a whole look you gotta look like a winner really um that's, so that's why i'll never be an olympian because I, I just i'm not pretty enough <laughs> i disagree but oh well that i feel so special but yeah no that brooke brings a really good point it's not like boxing like we could yeah. we could throw mike tyson and muhammad ali in the ring and whatever you know about boxing whatever one of them knocks the other one out it's like okay we had a winner. The other guy's down on the ground. He's not getting up. But then, like, also in boxing, you you could have it where it comes down to the judges deciding. So there is, like, a little bit of that subjective nature, whereas bodybuilding is the only the subjective nature. So Brooke is right. The judges may look a little bit more for leanness. Or the sport has grown over time as well. So they yeah. have been introducing weight caps that are different. They've been raising weight caps, um, things like that. And if you take, like – this year's Olympia figure winner and compare it to like three years ago, this year's winner might not have won three years ago, 
Actually, I, I should check the stats to see who won. It's three it's years Sid ago. Gillian, but, and she's like a seven time in a row. Okay. <laughs> she's just un, gonna, untouchable. But bikini. Let me get off figure bikini. Yes, that would have been a Bikini is example. a perfect example, and this is why I hate when people say bikini is the easiest. Bikini is by far the most competitive, and you can tell because you can just look at the past five years of the Olympia. They're always switching around. It's like the same top five people, but. One year, this person wins by one point. This person wins by one point. It's like they're constantly switching around because it's so competitive. And I truly think, yeah, it's like they're looking for a look. And it it's about your whole stage presence. Um, so it can, it can be really challenging in that regard. And, you know, you just have to bring it. You just have to bring your best. Yes. So... Moving along, let's jump into, I think we had our list. I think our topics were like what to consider before a show. So the next one that we skipped over is health. Yeah, good one. Gut, heart, hormones, kidneys, all sorts of that. So what, what do you want to throw in your two cents there on health? My two cents, make sure that you are healthy before you compete. And like going back to what John said in the beginning of the podcast, if you're like, hey, I want to compete. And somebody just is like, here's my link you know, pay me and we're going to get going. That's a red flag because nobody should be throwing you into a bodybuilding prep without making sure that you're healthy. Why? Because bodybuilding is not healthy. I know we look amazing. We look like we're at the epitome of health, but we're not. It's uh, especially for women. It's just not natural for us to be that lean. Most of us lose our periods. Um, you know, so you have to make sure that you're healthy going into a bodybuilding prep. Otherwise you're looking at more issues down the road. It can downregulate your thyroid. It can lead to gut issues. Gut issues are more common than ever in the bodybuilding world. Um, in the men's side, you see more heart issues, um, kidneys. You know, you're taking a lot of diuretics. You're manipulating water. You got to have make sure your your kidneys are healthy. Um, so, you know, to get your body to look how you want it to on stage, even though you're not healthy, everything has to be on point. Everything has to be working properly, in, like a well-oiled machine, so that you can get that look that you're striving to get for 20 weeks on show day. Everything's got to be in working order so that whatever you do, you eat more carbs, it works, you know, otherwise you're going to have so many variables um, and you're not going to get the perfect peak if one thing is off. So make sure you're healthy, get your labs done, um, CBC, full hormone panel, all that good stuff. I agree completely. If you were 20 weeks out and you had just broken your leg you're probably not going to start a prep because you're like, well, how would I do cardio? How would I train legs? It's not a good idea to compete right now. I need to get healthy first. Same thing. If, if you're, if so, there's, there's a number of factors that I would look into one, your blood pressure because high blood pressure leads to kidney damage. So if you already have high blood pressure, it's only going to get worse during a prep, especially if you're a man, especially if you're using PEDs. Um, heart health, things like lipids, you'd want to look into that. Like, like Brooke said, get your labs run. That's on the physical side. I'd, I'd say that's a no brainer. Like you, you can pretty yeah. much be objective. Either these numbers came back good on my blood work or they didn't. And at that point, if they came back good, then you can compete or you can choose not to. If they didn't come back good, then get your ass healthy. Don't jump into a prep before you should. Then the other side is the mental health side. I've had people come to me and say, Hey, 
I have no clue what the fuck I'm doing with my life. I'm depressed. I just went through a breakup. I don't know anything other than that. I think I want to be a bodybuilder. So I'm going to put every ounce of my heart, soul, and energy into this. And I'm going to be the best there ever was. Will you coach me for a show? I want to do my first show. And then I'm like, well, have you been to a show? No, but I've seen a lot of stuff on Instagram. So I really want to go. And I'm just like, okay, buddy. Um, I feel for you. I don't think it's unhealthy to get into fitness, to kind of find yourself and to try and get on a good track. But if you are having mental health issues or you're going through a breakup during your prep or after your prep, before your prep, whatever, like you're doing all that. And then you think that the prep is going to be the solving point for you. Maybe you're built different, but for most people, it's just going to break you. And, 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 and maybe you get through it, but after you compete, you still don't have your, your dream job. You still don't have that relationship. You still don't have things right with your parents. And now you don't have a show to look forward to. You're going to be in a world of hurt. So your mental health needs to be locked in for prep. Um, yeah. Absolutely oh. agree. Because yeah. there's going to be times, like John was saying, his prep was the hardest thing he ever did in his life. And, I mean, same. Um, I would say it's, for me, top top three easily. Uh, but, you know, there's going to be times where, I mean, honestly, there's just days where you're like, I don't know if I can do this. I literally remember one time just being so tired. I was walking around Publix. And, you know, you go to a different Publix. You don't know which side the produce is on. And so I got to one side of the Publix. And I realized the produce was on the other side. And I literally just started crying. And it's so pathetic and embarrassing for me to say that. But <laughs> I was just so tired. And I was so frustrated. I was like, I can't believe I have to walk over the side of the Publix to go get some damn celery or whatever it was. And, like, you're going to have moments like that. And really, truly, it was like, you know, that was the worst thing about my day. But if you also, I don't know, you hate your job, um, your boyfriend or your girlfriend is, is down your throat telling you all of these horrible things, you're in an abusive relationship, I don't know, you're having all sorts of turmoil in your life, it could literally break you, like John said. Um, just because your body's going through so much, your cortisol, your stress is already high because you're overtraining, you're under eating. It's a lot. So you really need to have some peace in your life so that you can kind of mitigate some of the stress that's caused by bodybuilding and, uh, you know, get through your prep in a healthy way. Yeah. I remember like exactly what you said. You just kind of like, I kind of zoned out and was like, oh man, I remember what that was like. <laughs> So, like, the littlest obstacles felt so big. Like, on a day where it's 8 o'clock and I just finished my cardio and I'm, like, I don't know if I'm going to live to 8 p.m. And I feel like death. I'm just like, okay, get through get, get through till 9 a.m. and then reevaluate. And there were days where literally every hour I would reevaluate if I was going to make it till the next hour. And, like, something like... I set up somehow on the wrong machine. I, I grabbed a barbell that happened to be like too short. So I had put all the plates on it. I was at a crunch and I was trying to put five plates, but only four would fit. And I realized I was going to have to take off four plates, go find another barbell, bring it over, put five plates on each side and then do my sets. And I almost started crying in the gym. I was like, I, 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 I'm not equipped for this. And then it happened yesterday. And I was like, 
okay, I'll just go get another bar. Like it, right. Completely different mindset. So yeah, have your health, have your mental health, have both of those really locked in solid before beginning a prep. Cause they're only going to go downhill, which kind of brings us into the next topic. PEDs, performance enhancing drugs. What are these? That is actually, I, I put up a post about PEDs the other day and people had no clue what a PED is. Some people didn't even know what the acronym was. So PED stands for performance enhancing drug. And you're like, okay, I got it. Steroids. That's what it is. Well, yes, steroids fall under that category, but there's a lot of things that fall under the PED category. And if you're a natural competitor, you need to learn these. So for example, metformin, it's a diabetic drug. It helps control blood sugar. That would be considered a PED used outside of a pharmaceutical doctor prescribed setting. Insulin. Yes, you're diabetic. Your dad has diabetes, so he takes insulin. Well, bodybuilders take insulin as well. It's more anabolic than steroids based on the research and paperwork and however that works out. It's not technically an anabolic steroid, it's insulin. And then another one to consider is like clenbuterol. Clenbuterol is a fat burner and it is not a steroid, but it's still a performance enhancing drug. It helps you burn fat. I had a client that I picked up after her show one week before she stepped on stage, her coach said, take some clen. And she's like, okay. And then she tells me after, well, I'd love to compete again next year. I'd love to do a natural show. And I say, honey, I'm so, so sorry to tell you this. The ethics are up to you, but I will not coach you for a natural show. And you cannot, by the rules of most federations, do a natural show because you took a PED. You took clenbuterol. And now your coach was, in my eyes, an idiot and should never have said for you to use that drug. One, because it's not going to do anything at seven weeks out. But for two... If you have a client that is otherwise natural, you should inform them if they're if you're going to prescribe them something, whether or not it's natural. So, um, oh yeah, that's that's my little spiel on PEDs because I I, I, get, I get upset about bad coaches, like people that just really don't care. Like that coach knew it was a non-natural drug, um, something that would prevent a client from ever competing in a natural show in the future. They should have at least had that conversation before they threw it at them. So are PEDs necessary? That's a big question. I'll let you take a stab, Brooke. Yeah. Um, so I don't think PEDs are necessary for certain divisions. Now, if you want to compete in John's division, yeah, good luck doing that natural. I do think you could probably get pretty far in bikini. I think you could probably get to a national stage. Um, I don't, I'd like to say you could go pro. Um, I think probably beyond the pro stage, though. I mean, all the Olympians. I, I know there's a lot of Olympians, uh, bikini girls who say they're natural, but I'm just sorry. I just don't think at that level any of them are natural. Um, so I think you could probably get pretty far in bikini. You could definitely compete locally naturally. I think you could probably even go to a national stage and get your pro card, but then if you wanted to compete in pro pro shows, you probably would have a really hard time. And, um, you know, I also think, you know, if you want to be natural and you want to compete in NPC, cause I know people who they just like how NPC is competitive. You know, you go to these natural shows and there's like two or three people there and like you get first place and it's like, eh, well, I know I won, but like, what does that even mean when there's three people in the show? 
So I do understand people wanting to do NPC. If you want to be natural in NPC, just know, hey, almost everybody there, they're going to be on they're going to be on PEDs. I mean, almost every, it's so common now, like all, almost all of the divisions are using PEDs. So, you know, don't cry about it not being fair. You know, you have to, you have to know that going in. Everybody is geared to the gills mostly. Um, but I am with John. There's a lot of bad coaches out there. So um, especially women, I mean, if, if, if your coach, if you have a bodybuilding coach and he's telling you to take something and you're not sure what it is, DM John, <laughs> ask him if, if it's legitimate, if it's the right dosage, something, please, please, please. I had a coach who was trying to put me on something and told me I could buy it off Amazon and it was not something you could buy off Amazon. It was an estrogen blocker. Um, so I had John luckily, but, um, you know, it's so common. So you have to be careful. And there, like he said, there's just a lot of bad coaches out there who overdose, they overprescribe. They may not even know if you want to stay natural or not. They, they may have no idea. So they may just throw something at you thinking you're going to be okay with it. And meanwhile, you're just thinking it's a fat burner. You could buy off Amazon and you have no idea. So, you know, always make sure, do your research. Um, John has so much knowledge in this area. So message him if uh, your coach is trying to throw something at you. Um, and yeah, just be prepared when you go to compete that most everybody there is, is going to be running stuff. Yeah, I agree with Brooke, assuming she's talking about like the NPC. So if you're talking about the yes, NPC, pretty much everyone is going to be using because there's no testing done. So there's no reason not to. So basically my point to you as a, as a coach, as a fellow competitor, if you're going to compete and you're not natural, well, then you have to do the NPC. If you are natural, why not compete in a natural organization? There's no reason not to. You can do your research. There's the OCB, uh, the NGA, the IMBF. There's a lot of natural organizations. They do test. Do people slip through the cracks and sometimes use and show up at a natural show? Yeah. Yeah. Name of the game. You just got to deal with it. So if you're natural, I would say, and you're planning to stay natural, then do a natural show. The next question, and I, I, I think we'd do a whole separate podcast on this. Is it healthier to be natural or not? Either way, short answer, bodybuilding is not healthy on either side. I think that from a coaching perspective, I kind of prefer enhanced athletes because when their thyroid starts to tank, when their testosterone levels start to take, we can supplement that. And now they're not natural, but at least they have a proper functioning thyroid throughout all of prep. Anyways, I digress. I could talk about that for way too long. Post-show, we kind of hopped into this. Um, what is a post-show blue or post-show blues? Post-show blues. That is when you're coming off the stage and you just had this huge adrenaline rush and you just had the best time of your life and now you don't really have anything to look forward to. Show's over. Maybe your feedback was, hey, you got to build, and now you're looking at a year-long building season, or you know, maybe you don't have a, a you know, national show coming up until another six months or so. Maybe you need to go into health phase because you have gut issues and you got to take a year off to heal. Um, or maybe you just don't have the finances. Maybe you don't want to spend another five thousand, ten thousand dollars, so you got to save up for another year. So what do you do? What do you do now that you don't have 40 hours a week of training, taking up your time? <laughs> yeah. So this goes back to having that healthy mental and physical health prior to prep because after prep, 
your whole, if you allow it to, your whole outlook on life can change. For me, prep was so intensive and so consuming that almost every hour of every day was somehow related to prep. Whether I had a supplement to take, a meal to eat, cardio to do, training to do, checking in with the coach. And that's the other thing. Like a good coach will be pretty responsive to you while you're in prep. But then when you're an off-season athlete, it's okay if it's 24 hours of message. That's okay. You, you usually don't have any emergencies or anything like that. And if you have a real emergency, call 911. But for for me, like in prep, my coach was replying within an hour. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can talk to him whenever I want. I can I can get real quick feedback. But he's got 100 athletes, so he's only able to offer that if you're coming up on a show. So, like, communication is going to change. Your day, your day-to-day, you're not going to have two hours of cardio a day. So now – that might on the one hand seem like great yes but then on the other hand it's kind of like oh i was working for this big goal almost every moment of every waking hour of every day was set up for this goal i was looking forward to this goal i knew my family was going to come and support me everybody's asking me how many weeks out are you oh you look so lean and then instagram you're 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 doing good in the algorithm because people love lean bodies you come out from the show you binge a little bit you lose some of your lines Coach takes a little longer to get back to you. Your family's not always checking in on you quite as much. Your friends aren't complimenting you every single day they see you. And you just start to think, well, what the hell? I'm in this depressed state. Me personally, I'm not going to lie. I did pretty well post-show. I got a lot of other things going on. I was actually excited to be able to go do some of the other things, like making my own pizza at a pizza restaurant where it's now on the menu traveling, starting this podcast with Brooke, I set myself up so that I had a runway after the show of things to do. And I highly suggest you do that. Maybe go take that cruise or take that trip, go do something. Ooh, I say this, I say, when you're in prep, it's not you that sacrifices. You make that choice. You choose to prep. It's everyone that's close to you, your top five, your top 10, they make the sacrifice because they have to give up the normal you while you are prep you. And it is your turn after the prep to give back to those people. Make some extra time for them, some extra space. Because they no doubt had a lesser version of you during your prep. Because you had to turn all your energy towards that prep. So that's that's what I have to say there. Create that runway and give back to those that gave to you during it. I think that's a that's a healthy coping strategy. I love that. Yeah. I will say my first show, I did great post-show because I had a trip to Mexico planned two weeks later. So it was just kind of, I was on a roll. I was like, oh, yes, I'm in great shape. So I'm going to stay in great shape and take all these pictures in Tulum and have a blast. Um, And then, uh, you know, after I got back from Tulum, my feedback for my first show was go to nationals. So that was really exciting. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get ready to go to nationals. I didn't end up doing that. I ended up doing a regional show. So when I did that show and that show did not go nearly like I wanted it to, I fell out with my coach. It was terrible. Um, and I was, that's when I started having health issues was after that show. And that's when I realized I had to take a year off. Um, and that was hard. That was definitely hard um, just because there was like a, a TBA uh, or a TBD on when I could compete again. It was like, yeah, we don't know. We don't even know if you'll ever compete again. Like we just have to see how, how you do and what's going on with you. Um, but I will say like John, having other things in your life 
is really, really important. And then you just have to start appreciating the things that you can't do when you're in prep. So like you can travel now, um, you know, you can go to a pizza place and, and not worry about it fitting in your macros about ruining your prep. Um, you know, there's so many more things that you can do. You can actually get your life back and live your life. So I'm with John. I would say if you have, if you have a show and you're worried about having those post-show blues, uh, one chat with your coach, hopefully you have a good coach and you have a good relationship with them and, you know, say like, Hey, like, you know, let's say my feedback is, is this like, then what's the plan? And then, or my feedback is this, then what's the plan already have a game plan. So you know what it is going into it. That way your heart's not crushed. If you don't go to nationals, if you don't go get your pro card, if you can't compete for another year, um, and then make some other plans, like plan a trip or just plan a fun new project or maybe plan to get into some other sport or something. But Definitely make make a plan that will get you excited, something to look forward to besides the excitement of a show. Yeah. I wonder. I'm so I'm so in this that I wonder what it's like for somebody listening on the outside that's not quite as entrenched. I don't know if we sound crazy or if this sounds normal, but I, I do think that this is a really good resource for somebody that's that's like starting out on their journey and thinks that this is something they want to do. I don't think I ever got this type of information prior to deciding to hop into this almost to the point where I don't know. It's hard to say bodybuilding has been good to me because I've done a lot outside of it and I'm vegan. I, I, I really do think I'm amazingly lucky that I had a friend introduce veganism to me and I'm amazingly lucky that I picked wrestling and they forced us to lift weights after that season. And then nobody had to force me to lift weights for the last 15 years. I loved it. If I didn't have that niche, I don't know if I'm saying it right. If I didn't have those two intersecting things and have something like Instagram and a platform and now this podcast to put it out there, I don't know if it'd be as worth it for me. So you really got to, focus on what why are you doing this i've had i had i just had a client sign up and this one scares me she told me she wants to go to amateur olympia she's a competitor i think she can she's vegan so that's a, i believe a big reason that she reached out is because her her prior coach wasn't vegan and to be honest i don't know if there's outside of myself and you any other high level prep coaches that really have a clue on how to do this whole ped bodybuilding thing with a vegan diet and I hope I'm not sharing too much. I haven't said her name, so this is still anonymous, but she recently lost her dad as well. So we connected over that. And uh, she said she wants to get on stage for him. And I was like, Oh, oh, oh. that's scary. It's scary because she now has a really big reason why she's going to kill herself this year. Not like literally, but she's going to put in the work and I fear for the other competitors that don't have that motivation. And I also fear a little bit for her because that's, it's hard to get more motivated than, than that and to have that be your goal. So again, for her, I hope that she is doing the right things now to have her game plans for after the show, because if it goes great and everything goes according to plan and she kills it. Awesome. What's she doing after and vice versa. If it doesn't go according to plan, if we have an injury or I mean, like anything can happen in the next 20, 25 weeks. 
even if, if if I mess up and we don't pull her water correctly and she she ends up on stage a little flat or so, something, whatever. How is her mental state going to be after that? So it's 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 a lot to do this. It's it's a weird thing how much it is. Um, it's a lot. Heard- yeah. Um, I, I mean, I would say, I think especially for me, my first prep was super emotional. I was coming out of an abusive relationship and although we've talked about not doing it in a time of turmoil, I was actually like back home. I was with my mom and I was kind of at peace for like the first time and I didn't have somebody screaming at me every single day. Um, so I finally had some peace and I really used my prep to find myself again And in a way, it was kind of like, if I can put myself through this (laughs) and make myself suffer and torture myself with this, no one else can hurt me. And it was almost empowering in a way to be in control of my own suffering for once. Um, And just I had so much energy. Like, I just woke up and I just had so much animosity. I had so much um, just regret so many emotions I was dealing with. And honestly, going and killing myself on the stairs for an hour, just like killed all of that. Like, I just got to be with myself in my own head with my music for an hour. And like, think about like, I'm getting my life back. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing what I want to to do. I'm doing something I never, never could have done before in that situation. I wouldn't have been allowed to, you know, whatever. And it just helped me process a lot of stuff. Cause I mean, you know how it is in bodybuilding prep, you're solo almost the whole time you do your cardio by yourself. You may train with other people, but most of the time, like you're doing everything by yourself. So I got to be with me, which was really good for me because I had to really learn how to love myself and have my own back and follow through with, with what I said I was going to do. Like I really had to come through for myself in a way that I hadn't before, like pulling myself out of a, out of a bad situation and luckily my prep did that for me. So it, it ended up being like one of the things I feel like that saved my life because I was able to, I mean, I was also going through therapy while I was in prep. So, you know, I will say that, that, you know, it's not like bodybuilding healed me. Um, but it did help me, um, like channel all of that negative energy into something positive and to show myself like, Hey, this is my life. Like, this is my life. No one gets to tell me what I can and can't do. If I want to do a bodybuilding show, I can do a bodybuilding show. And, you know, I have what it takes and I can push myself to this limit. Um, so it's like having a big reason why. And I think that like this could be a whole nother episode too, really. Like a lot, I think a lot of people who are really in love with bodybuilding, they've been through some sort of trauma, like I know you have, and you find release in like creating your own suffering and you know, then being rewarded for it in a sense. And, you know, I feel like having a deep rooted why is really the only thing that can get you through those crazy cardio sessions, those nights where you're going to bed hungry, the mornings you wake up hungry, um, you know, sweating your ass off. It's like, you, you know, drinking a cup of water a day. It's like, you know, having that big reason why is what, what will get you through it every single time. And, and if, you know, if you don't have that, you, you got to dig deeper. You got to wait till something happens to you and then maybe go from there. But, um, like having your big why is everything. Yeah. If you haven't been abused or bullied or excluded or otherwise faced some 
some big obstacles in your life, bodybuilding is probably going to be difficult for you in that sense. Listening to you and, and kind of reflecting, I do feel bodybuilding is a form of self-love. Granted, a lot of people can get in this because they have body image issues and they don't like how they look. At the end of the day, it is it is selfish. You're you're working on yourself. But think about how much time we we blocked off. Like you can't be a bodybuilder if you don't block off time for cardio, if you don't block off time for training, if you don't say no to going out to eat. You can't you can't survive through a prep unless you really learn how to put yourself first. So reflecting on my own. This last prep was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I had a lot of confounding factors, but I think the prep kind of kept me like a train on the rails. Like losing my dad would have probably been hard either way. But I think since I had this show and I feel like if I could talk to him real quick, he probably would have said, yeah, I keep pushing for the show. Like, don't take a week off to grieve for me. Like, go do what your heart wants to do. And I'm there eating a meal next to his deceased body, not 15 minutes after he took his last breath because it's time to eat. It kept me going. It kind of kept me on that line. I think in prep, you have to devote so much time to yourself and you have so little free time that you start to really question anything that impedes upon that. Is this friend really worth seeing? Is this recreational drug really worth doing? Is is Netflix the best way I should spend the one hour I have tonight? Or, or should I be more intentional with that time? And for me, even, I don't recommend this for most people, but I did go through a breakup about three weeks prior to my show that I initiated because I finally, I feel like was able to put myself first in a really selfish way. And not that my partner was a bad person by any means. I just realized that I was going to not allow myself to be the best that I could become long-term. And I don't know if I would have came to that conclusion without that extra weight and stress of the prep. It might've taken me longer to get to that conclusion. Again, like I'm not saying to make big relationship decisions, maybe get into therapy first. I know I was in therapy and other things. So I feel like bodybuilding is a very high way of having self-love. So you got you to learn to love yourself and, and put yourself first. And so hearing your story about coming out of an abusive relationship and finding, that's it. You find yourself when you're by yourself. You're not going to find yourself yeah. when you're distracted by 500 other people, when you're in a really big relationship, when, when all this other stuff is going on, it's, it's a little bit harder to find yourself. So there are some good things from prep. You just got to yeah. be prepared that there could be some other baggage and things that come along with it. So adversity, whenever, whenever you subject yourself to adversity, whether it's self-chosen like bodybuilding or being bullied, not necessarily chosen, you're either going to crumble or you're going to grow. Yeah. I think like John said, it puts a lot of things into perspective. Like the people who can make it with you through a prep, you know, they're your solid people. You know, the people who are like, oh, you can't drink. Well, I'm not going to ask you to go out or, you know, whatever. Well, hit me up after your prep. Like, oh, you can't go get um, French fries and vegan pizza and beer tonight. And yeah, well, okay, whatever. Like it really does put per- in per- into perspective, like the real people in your life who supports you or people who are like, 
no, you can't do that bodybuilding show. Like, you're going to look so good and you're going to be in a bikini on stage. Like, and they're possessive of you and they don't want you to do that because they're jealous. All of those things, all of those things, it really does put into perspective who is in your corner and who is not. Um, so in that way, you can definitely be grateful. Uh, but there's a lot of things to be learned. I mean, I know we talked about a lot of the negatives, but there for sure are tons of positives. And even like we mentioned earlier, you're not going to make money from bodybuilding, but potentially maybe you could start coaching, you could start a supplement company, you could start a clothing line, you know, you could start posing. There's so there's other avenues that you can, you know, do to make money in bodybuilding. Um, you know, I think more than anything, I, I think getting to the stage, you just have to be so proud of yourself for being committed, for being disciplined, for following through. Uh, with what you said you were going to do and you'd be so proud of that. I think it's character building. I think you really truly learn something from every single prep that you do. There's something I've learned from every prep, um, the two preps that I've done. And, you know, there are things that, that stick with you and through hard times, you can look back on that and think, well, I did that so I can absolutely get through this, you know? So there's tons of good things. Um, you know, if, if you check all the boxes that we talked about, finances, uh, time commitment, you know, your relationships are good. You're cool with everybody's going to be on PEDs, you know, whatever it is, everything. If you check off all that, that we talked about today and you still want to do it, do it, do it. It's fun. Uh, you'll learn something about yourself, but just make sure you do it the safe way. You might be a little bit psycho, but do it. I agree yeah. with, <laughs> I agree with everything Brooke said. Bodybuilding for me, the biggest part and i i don't even want to like allow myself to mentally go down a path of what if i didn't do bodybuilding because the community that i've gotten when i look at my closest friends brooke you and i wouldn't be talking right now if we weren't both bodybuilders and that's True. like a scary thought i can't imagine you not in my life my coach would never have talked to him. I never would have met some of my other amazing friends like like Alex, Alyssa, Jason, Chris, Katie. I, I wouldn't have met any of them if it wasn't for bodybuilding. And now, can you still find awesome people outside of bodybuilding? Of course. We got Sean in the back room right here. He's amazing. He's not a bodybuilder. He doesn't have to be. I do think to be a bodybuilder, you hold yourself to a higher standard than the average person. Not that there aren't average people that are also held to a higher standard, but if you if you took a room of 100 bodybuilders and then 100 random people, those bodybuilders are, I think, going to be business owners, non-excuse makers. They, they just make shit happen. It doesn't matter what happened on that day. They still, they, okay, their car tire was flat. Well, they took an Uber or they, they crawled uphill both ways through the snow with their teeth to get to the gym because they're not going to miss a workout. That That's the kind of cut of a person that you are if you're a bodybuilder so surrounding myself with people like that for years on end has elevated me and so for that the community side i'm i'm very grateful it's a different group of people if you if you step into this realm you're going to meet a different level of people and that can be difficult too because i i train at like the best gym in the world and i'm often one of the worst people in the room <laughs> And so that's a little bit of a mind fuck, but it, it still pulls me up. And um, now I feel like I'm rambling, but I'm really glad we met. I remember exactly your first prep 
about like four weeks out when you started sending me your check-in photos and even the foods. I remember you sending me the foods from when you were in Tulum and I was like, oh, that looks really good. Like who would have known at that time that, uh, I don't know, a year and a half, two years later, we're, we're on a podcast together speaking to the <laughs> world. And two years from now, where will we be? Maybe we'll be in Tulum. Who knows? <laughs> oh my but, gosh. That would be awesome. Yeah. I know, so, like, yeah, so bodybuilding, um, you should, you, I mean, there are a lot of shady people in bodybuilding, don't get me wrong, I've definitely been backstabbed by a few people here and there, but, um, you know, you, you have to, you know, have the personal responsibility to make sure you, you vet people, and there are some really good people out there, too, though, um, and I feel like, you know, the vegan bodybuilding community is really, really small, but everybody's awesome, like, all the people we've met in the vegan bodybuilding realm are pretty much really good people and very genuine and it's a really good community it's a small world because on the non-vegan side i go to a lot of shows here in florida and i run into the same people i'll see people five six seven eight times in a year because they're bodybuilders so they show up to these shows and like even if they're not competing they're just there on the vegan side it's it's it's, it's a small group of people so you're a vegan bodybuilder reach out let's let's be in the community together connect on instagram we are a small community but the, the cool part of a small community is we all know each other it's it's easy it's easy to connect and and relate and go through all the same things actually that's that ties me into the next thing we'll, we'll make this a little bit more vegan because it's been very bodybuilder yeah yeah have on my christmas present from my mom I also have on pants today, well, shorts, so no surprise there, but I'm going to stand up so people that are <laughs> watching can see I'm sure it. some people are disappointed. Uh, well, I might start an OnlyFans, so they could jump on that, but I'm going to try and read this upside down, or you could help me. It says, I can read it. Do you want me to okay. read it? Yeah, read it out. Hello, I am a vegan. I know you could never do that. No, I don't eat fish. Yes, I get enough protein. My B12 is fine. Thank you. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. What do I eat? Food. No, I don't want to eat meat. Plans are not sentient. Yes, I am still a vegan. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel a little bit obnoxious wearing it, but then again, I wear a vegan as fuck shirt that actually says fuck on it. So I'm just obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. But I, I feel like this is the type of shirt that everyone would expect a vegan to wear. Yep. And um, my mom got it for me. So, mom, I know you're still listening. You're going to listen to all of these. I feel bad for you. But um, <laughs> uh, I am I love the shirt. It's, it's, it's cute. It's cute. It's I like it. Um, if you want one, I don't have a link or a code, but you can find it on Amazon. There's like a million of them. So, if somebody's looking for one, they can go there. If you want to support Animal Sanctuaries and get something like this hat, you can go over to one at savemini.com. I'm going to shout that out every or, time. Or I'm a meatless support. muscle hoodie. Or a meatless muscle hoodie, or get both, because why not? You know, all yeah, the money goes both. to the animals. We're trying to we're trying to grow this out. Um, thank you. Shout out Brent. I'll give you a shout out every chance I give. I was just talking to him this morning, dude. He he slaves. I he sent me the the process for how he makes the shirts, and I didn't quite know. I Man, I kind of knew, but like I didn't know how. Yeah, he puts in a lot of is. work. He touches every shirt, so yeah. Um, I'm really grateful for him too. So just shout him out. I think that I think that about covered everything that we, yeah. we were going to talk about. I mean, we could talk forever, but uh, you know, yeah. I, I feel like um, if we wanted to sum it up, you know, make sure you have your shit together. <laughs> 
if you want to compete, know it's going to be really hard. It's probably going to be harder than you expected. Um, you know, make sure you have all your ducks in a row, but it's a lot of fun. It's worth it. We think it's worth it. Probably for some people it's not, but, uh, we've had a really good experience and, you know, if, if you feel like you're cut out for it, do it, you'll learn something and you'll probably, you know, come out of it a better person. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's self-made adversity. So you're going to have to grow, um, yeah. If you're crazy, do it. If you're, if you're a sane, rational individual, you probably won't. So you know who you are. So yeah. I think that'd be a little crazy. I think that, I think that sums it all up. So uh shout out to our man, Sean. He is in the back. He is listening to all of this. He's not a bodybuilder. So he's getting a little bit of firsthand knowledge here. And I, I hope that's what we're able to offer with this episode. I hope this can be a resource going forward. So if you want to share this with your friends, you know, maybe give us a like, a comment, a share, rate us all the stars, however it goes, put it out there. And this is, this is a way to help educate people on bodybuilding and a little bit on the veganism side as well. So you brought us in, Brooke. I'm going to bring us out. This was another episode, episode two of Vegans Who Lift podcast brought to you by the Vegans Explore Network. I am John, the bodybuilding vegan, along with Brooke, Miss Meatless Muscle. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time. Have the best day ever. Thank you for listening to the Vegans Who Lift podcast, part of the Vegans Explore Network. For show notes and information on how to leave feedback or ask questions, go to veganswholiftpodcast.com or email contact at veganswholiftpodcast.com. Today's episode was executive produced and edited by Sean Russell. For more information on the Vegans Explore Network, visit vegansexplore.com.